Today's episode is brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. They're our new partner here at the Mac Report, and their mission is to democratize audio. Anchor believed everyone should be able to have their voice heard, regardless of background or experience level. And if you've ever tried a podcast before, you know all the logistical barriers that can stand in your way. At Anchor, they aim to remove every single one of those barriers. Their goal is to make podcasting easy and fun without sacrificing the quality that every podcaster deserves. It's so easy with Anchor Podcasts, you can even create a podcast from your phone. To learn more, visit anchor.fm today. Welcome to episode 58 of the Mac Report Podcast. I'm Mike McMahon, where this little audio treat that drops into your podcast feed every once in a while. There's no rhyme or reason to when we do these. Uh, there's no regularity, especially in a coronavirus world where there's no regularity in anything. But every once in a while, uh, throughout the course of the summer, we're going to try to drop in with new episodes. Usually in the season, we're dropping them every week, every 10 days. Uh, but in the summer months, especially in this summer months, uh, in these summer months, we're probably going to be dropping them less frequently. Uh, but we got a good one today. It's with Merrimack men's basketball coach Joe Gallo. We talked a lot about just what the end of the season was like for their team winning the NEC regular season having a postseason they were going to be the only merrimack team that had a postseason getting ready to play uh, in either the, the cbi or the cit but obviously that all ended uh when the ncaa canceled all of the winter championships all obviously the cbi and the cit aren't ncaa sanctioned but they were both canceled as well uh and everything came to a halt there in the middle of march so their season ended when all that stuff ended and we talk about just what that was kind of a, the emotions were to go through that having thinking you know, coming off the high of winning an NEC regular season championship, having the opportunity to cut down the nets and have, you know, a, a good ending to your your regular season, think you're going on to the postseason and then having it all go away. Uh, we talked a lot about, too, uh, what was happening with those players, those seniors, uh, where if they had plans to play after or this upcoming season. Uh, there's a lot of questions, though, with this upcoming season about where those guys might be able to play, what leagues are even going to be playing. I know it's something that a lot of the hockey players are going through as well. Uh, they may be trying to sign European contracts, and you don't know which leagues are going to be operating and which ones aren't. So it, it's a tough situation for all those guys to be going through. The basketball players going through the same thing, trying to figure out you know whether it's a league overseas or, or whatnot. Uh, where they might be able to play. But we talk a lot about that stuff. We talk a lot about how this uh, this shutdown has affected their recruiting. July is a busy recruiting month for, for basketball. I think August is too. A lot of uh, showcase tournaments that happen on the weekends and later in the weeks and stuff like that. So a lot of recruiting has gone out of the way. Although I think, you know, Merrimack is in a good shape and Coach Gallo talks about this. They're a younger team. They lost the three seniors that they lost. They've got some freshmen already committed coming in, uh, but they don't have a lot of, of upperclassmen on this on this year's roster. They're really freshman, sophomore heavy. They don't have a lot of juniors and seniors on this, this upcoming year's team, so they don't have a lot of spots to fill. So they're probably in one of the better situations in college basketball as far as uh, you know, they don't they don't need to do a lot of recruiting for next year because they've don't have many spots to fill so they're, they're i think helped in that regard but we talk a little bit about that uh and then we just we talk a lot about just how last season went some of the characteristics characteristics that made that team successful um and in other things so it's a really good interview that'll be coming up in a couple of minutes a couple of news and notes to hit on before we go to the interview merrimack has offered the football program has offered a quarterback out of virginia colt minson uh, he announced on social media uh, that he uh, has been offered by the Merrimack football program. He's been a starter 
for Catholic high school in Virginia since he was a sophomore. He, he's been getting a lot of attention on so, so excuse me on social media over these last couple of months, especially on Twitter, posting videos of, of himself uh, going through workouts. Um, I think some of them had 40, 50,000 views. So a lot of these videos, from what I was reading yesterday, a lot of these videos are what kind of put Minson on the map. He already had some offers, but he's picked up an offer from Merrimack and Monmouth uh, over the last couple of weeks. He also has offers from Samford, VMI, William & Mary, Southern Mississippi, uh, and has a preferred walk-on offer from Wake Forest. So yeah, he said, quote, my recruiting is definitely heating up. It was actually very cool to get offered over the phone. Both schools FaceTimed me with their coaching staff and were very energetic and excited. It kind of felt like I was getting drafted. Uh, Minson has had really good numbers last year. He completed 73% of his passes, 2,524 yards in 19 touchdowns to go with uh, three rushing touchdowns. We have a story on him up on the site right now, uh, as well as one of the videos that he posted. He posted a lot of them, but we, we posted one of the videos. Uh, so he's not, not committed yet, but offered one of several teams that have offered him. Uh, the Merrimack women's hockey program picked up a commitment from Callie Hogarth, a goaltender. Looks like she's going to be coming in in 2022. Uh, she had really good numbers last year, 939 save percentage over 36 games for, the Central York Panthers. So a good pickup for them. Uh, other news, Howard University has joined the NEC in six sports as an affiliate member, not a full-time member, uh, but they're going to join the NEC, I believe. Uh, let me pull it up here. Men's and women's soccer, women's lacrosse, and women's golf. Uh, so they're going to be joining the NEC as an associate member there, or an affiliate member. Uh, so you'll see Howard come on campus for those sports. Uh, the Ivy League is reportedly moving all of their fall sports to the spring. Uh, Merrimack football doesn't have any Ivy League opponents on the schedule for next year, but uh, the field hockey, men's and women's soccer programs, while none of them have their schedules announced for this year yet, they all played Ivy League schools last year. So that could affect their fall seasons if the fall season uh, even even happens. Uh, that We're still waiting to find out, I think, from the NCAA and, and from these leagues whether or not the fall season is even going to be a thing. Uh, some hockey news. Stephen LaForm has reportedly signed an OHL contract with the Ottawa 67s, which means he will lose his NCAA eligibility, so he will not be coming to Merrimack. If this report is true, this is a report according to the Turtle Island News. Uh, the, the 67s, the teams usually announce these signings, and the Ottawa 67s have not announced that he has signed a contract yet, but according to the Turtle Island News, he has. Um Again, if that report is true, he'll forego his NCAA eligibility and he will not uh, be able to co to play college hockey. Uh, he actually was quoted in this article, quote, I kind of saw it coming before it happened. He was he was talking about a trade. He was traded to the Ottawa 67s from North Bay a couple of weeks ago. Uh, quote, Ottawa reached out to North Bay and my agent about the potential of me being traded there. It's always been a dream of mine. It's the highest level of junior hockey you can play, and it's nice to know I'm finally getting to the big stage. For them to offer me a contract and recognize my talent is amazing. Uh, so he was offered a contract. LaForm is quoted in here and confirmed that he was offered a contract. doesn't necessarily mean he has signed it. Uh, again, the Turtle Island News reported that he has signed it, but uh, LaForm just said he was offered a contract. Again, if he signs that contract, though, he will be unable to play college hockey. He'll lose his eligibility. Uh, another recruit, uh, more recruiting news on the Merrimack men's hockey front. Jonathan Young seems like he's no longer committed to the Warriors. Uh, High-end hockey advising tweeted out last week, quote, Jonathan Young has enjoyed success at every level throughout his hockey career. He's garnering quite a bit of attention from Division I schools as he enters his final year of junior hockey. Uh, Young had 
really good numbers with the Islanders Hockey Club as a 16 and 18 year old, 18 U player. Uh, he's bounced around in junior hockey, played a couple of games with the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL. Uh, he spent, has now spent the majority of his time in, in juniors in the North American Hockey League, uh, split between, I think, three teams last year. I think he was with uh, he was with Maryland to start the year. Then I think he was with Amarillo, and he finished with the Northeast Generals, play, which play out of, I think it's Attleboro, um, but around here. But yeah, he, he bounced around the NHL a little bit last year, played in the NCDC the year before that, or two years ago with the Islanders. So according to high end hockey advising, he's back on the market and is potentially looking for other schools. And that's about all the news. We have a lot of news up on the website though. Anything else that pops up over the next week or two, we'll have stories up there. So be sure to check them out for now. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have Merrimack men's basketball coach, Joe Gallo. Hey, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No mom. What is this? This stick is so dusty. There's no more Geno's left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Sally. All right, I got the perfect twig for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick, completely accurate for buy down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. We use Anchor here for the TMR podcast, and it could not be easier. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. The world's greatest hamburgers are at Fuddruckers, and we're out to make the world happy one great burger at a time. Try one of our 10 specialty burgers, like the Fud 66 with Hatch Green Chili, voted number one at the New Mexico State Fair. You'll find the world's greatest hamburgers at Fuddruckers. All right, joined now by the head coach of the Merrimack men's basketball program, Joe Gallo. Coach, uh, <laughs> I've asked everybody the same question as we've done these kind of throughout the spring and into the summer. Uh, but what have the last three months been like for you? Um, you know what? It's, it's, uh, it's funny. The days seem long, but when you look back, uh, it, it doesn't really seem like we've been uh, off the grid here for as many months as we have. I uh, was actually kind of looking at some stuff from our season the other day, and it's crazy to think that it was, I think, February 27th, um, was that central Connecticut game at home where we clinched the championship. And I have literally not stepped foot in a gym since that day. So it's, it's probably the longest time uh, since I was about six years old that I haven't uh, been inside of a gym. So, um, but the time, uh, the time's kind of flying by, but you know, I've had a, my second child was born. He's, he's uh, four weeks uh, today. Uh, He was actually born on, on my, uh, first son Joey's first birthday. Um, so now they have, the, no way. I mean, on his fourth birthday, so <laughs> they share the same birthday now. So, you know, having a four-year-old and a four-week-old, um, that's been keeping us busy enough here at home. I'll make birthday parties easy as they exactly. get older. Just kill it all in one shot. <laughs> uh, it's got to be weird to 
I mean, you said back to that game on the 27th and having been back in a gym since. And not only, I mean, nobody knew at the time. You didn't know. None of your guys knew. Nobody knew that that was the end. Because even though with the D1 transition, you know, you can't make the NCAA postseason, there was, it looked like there was going to be a postseason for you guys, whether it was in the CBI or the CIT. So especially for those seniors to, to not know that was the end and, and think you were going to be playing somewhere in, in a week or two uh, or three, however long the calendar would have worked out. And then all of a sudden the season just ends. What was that kind of like? Just those, like, what, what did you kind of see those guys go through? Because I can imagine it must have been just a, a weird and almost heartbreaking end for those seniors to think, hey, we're, we're going. I mean, like everybody in college basketball that, that was making the postseason, you thought you were going to have a postseason, and then all of a sudden everything was just canceled. Yeah, you know what? Um, I think we were very fortunate. Uh, we, we were in a unique situation where uh, we ended on such a high um, and, it, and it was such a big feat what we, you know, to do something that legitimately has, has never been done before. And I don't know if it will ever be, be done again with a, a transitioning team, you know, winning a conference regular season outright in their first year. So um, we kind of had our closure, you know, we yeah. cut some nets down, we had our celebration, um, you know, they all went home for spring break and they were kind of just waiting on my call of when to come back and, you know, every day, you know, with the conference tournaments being canceled and teams being pulled off the floor and watching on TV, you know, those three seniors are all from an area, you know, they're all within 20 miles from each other in, in New Jersey. And that area was, was hit pretty hard yeah. um, with, with COVID. So there really was no gripes or no complaints about it. I think they were all just happy that we ended the way we ended. You know, we had our closure, we had our moment, we had our championship. And, um, you know, I don't think there was many regrets about, you know, not going on to a, a postseason event. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I can't imagine there were many teams in college basketball, any any winter sport, whether it's basketball, hockey, whatever, that, that had – that had a, that that type of ending had that championship type of ending there i mean i can't really think of any because even the ones that that may have won their regular season championship in other leagues they did and i'm sure they celebrated yeah. for a little bit but it was like all right well we got to get ready for you know the big 10 tournament now or, or whatever yeah. uh you know that that you guys were probably in a unique position in that regard yeah we, we really were and you know even you know you might have a team that you know lost in their lost in their conference tournament and they're waiting for their at-large bid and some of those bigger schools and you kind of feel for some of those seniors who the way it ended with with zero closure but you know our, our guys were happy we had a we had a meeting you know right away and um again everyone just was in good spirits and just very proud of, of what they accomplished for the year i know it's early and with everything going on there's, there's a lot of stuff's up in the year do you know if any of those guys have plans to to play beyond beyond college yeah um you know I, I was actually texting with Jaleel yesterday and, and he it's kind of you know like any market it's just a down market right now you know yeah. nobody knows you know what leagues are even going to be played um you know J Javaris uh he, he's hooked up with a pretty good agent and it's funny he called me about a week ago he was on his way to the post office to he was trying to figure out how he gets a passport um so <laughs> You know, those guys do have some hopes to play, you know, I'm hoping they, they can, you know, hook on somewhere. Um, but again, it's, it's just a strange time. No one knows what leagues are even have yeah. openings or what players are coming back. Um, so they're just kind of all playing the waiting game, just like all of us. Yeah, I, I know. And even with some of the European leagues, I've talked to some hockey players that have played over in Europe and they said, you know, you don't know, you don't know what 
borders are going to be open, who's going to be allowed into some of these countries, who's not going to be allowed, let alone what leagues are going to play. So it's a kind of a weird situation where normally, I mean, I would imagine it's July 7th as we record this. A lot of those guys would have had that stuff figured out by now. Yeah, and you're just starting to see online a little bit. Some guys are picking up some some jobs and signing some things. But, um, you know, again, there's just no drop-dead start date for any of this. Um, so I think, you know, over the next hopefully couple of weeks, uh, things will start to open up for those guys as well. How does this kind of affect the plans for the summer? Because I know this is – if I remember correctly, like July is usually a time where you get some tournaments and stuff like that. So I would imagine this month would probably have been a, you know, typically a pretty busy recruiting month, maybe. Now it's obviously not. Yeah, twofold. We also, you know, when, when we went Division One, you're also allowed to have your guys on campus. Um, so it would have started today, actually. We would have had our guys oh, up, you know, for, for six weeks taking a class. And, you know, we can get eight hours, four hours on the court, four hours in the weight room. Um, so that was a very positive experience for our guys, you know, last summer. Uh, and then on the recruiting front, you know, there's a couple, you know, Wednesday through Friday periods that usually go on in July that's all canceled now. So uh, no recruiting and no working with our guys. Uh, so this is where hopefully uh, my Division Two experience comes back into play when we would say our, say goodbye to our guys on May 5th and say hello to them again on September 5th. And, <laughs> just trust and stay in touch that everyone's, you know, putting the, the work in and, and they're ready to go when they come back in September. So that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I was gonna, how, how much of that has gone on and to talk to some other coaches, that seems to be a thing checking in with guys regularly and uh, you know, strength and conditioning coaches obviously have given them a plan to kind of stick to for the summer. But at the same time, I mean, everybody's situation is different. Some guys may have a you know full gym at their house. Other guys may have, you know, nothing at their house. So it's kind of, you have to almost tailor plans to individual players. I would think. Yeah, it's very different. We're actually working on, you know, my, my two assistants, you know, Phil Gaetano and Mickey Burtnick, um, you know, work together on, on putting together, um, you know, some of the drills that we do throughout the year. And I have I have it right here, actually. I'm kind of finalizing the copy that's going to go out to our guys this week. And, you know, it's kind of tailored where really all you need is, is a ball and some concrete yeah, uh, yeah. really to, to do some of these things. But, you know, we have we have great kids who love to play and, you know, that's kind of how we recruit. Um, so even back in division two, um, we always trusted that those guys were going to come back in shape come September. And, you know, I saw, I think it was only about two, three weeks into this. There was a, a great article, uh, you know, doc rivers talked to his team about winning the weight. Um, yeah. and that's just what we talk about, you know, win the weight, you know, spend time with your family. This is, you know, probably more time than any of us has ever gotten to spend with our, our family, especially being at athletics people. Um, so, you know, enjoy your family, um, you know, win the weight and just be as ready as anybody when the time does come to come back. Uh, looking again, kind of back on last season too, and we talked about this a couple of times, but when you kind of have had now time to digest what happened last year and, and kind of go back through it and maybe watch some games on film and just really decompress the entire season, what do you think it was that, if you could kind of sum it up in maybe a couple of characteristics, what was it that led to your team having the success that you had? Because, and I would imagine it's probably a pretty consistent thing among the other teams that had success too, whether it be, you know, men's soccer or something like that. I mean, almost all the teams were picked near the bottom or at the bottom uh, in NEC coaches polls, which you would expect, I, I think, as first year D1 programs. But so many of the teams had success and, and yours and men's soccer are probably the two that, that are right at the top of the list winning the conference. So what, what do you kind of look back and if you look at a couple of characteristics that maybe your team had, what do you think were the most important ones that, that led to that success right away? You know what? I, I think um, 
having prior success always helps, right? If you're a, a, a guy, um, you're used to winning and, and we've won pretty big the, the prior three years. So um, that comes with a, a certain mentality and a certain mindset. Uh, you know, I think, A, it, it shows how small of a difference there really is between, you know, high level, you know, division two and, and some, you know, some division one, uh, that's one. Um, but what I, what I think it, after really kind of digesting it and thinking about it, you know, you look at the transfer, um, rate across the country and it's just absurd. There was over a thousand transfers for, for men's basketball in division one. And we haven't had many, you know, in, in my, um, four years, you know, we, we, we lost one guy after my first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we lost another player, um, who was just looking for a bigger role, you know, at another school. And we actually helped him find that other school. And he, he went to another division two school and averaged 12 points a game this year. Um, so we really, our core group of guys have been together. And I think, um, that helps, you know, a lot of the teams you're playing, they might have, they might have got blindsided by a transfer or they're bringing in transfers and trying to, you know, kind of mold together a group of guys who haven't played together before. And, you know, we are fortunate to have, you know, a, a group of guys that have won a lot of games with some talented young guys um, who really bought in. Um, if you come into a place that is used to winning, you can't be a young guy and all of a sudden try and change the world and, and do it your way. Um, so I think, you know, the blend between those older experienced guys and their experience in winning games and then, you know, I'll give our young guys credit and, you know, that that core group of freshmen are going to have to take a major jump next year. And uh, they hopped right in and never questioned a thing. And, you know, each one of those guys between, you know, Jordan Minor and, and Ziggy Reed, Michael Daring, um, Jordan McCoy had some games where he played some big minutes. I mean, you could probably pick a game each year. Um, and if it wasn't for one of those young guys, we may not have won those games. So yeah. I think it was just a great blending of, you know, that older crew, um, you know, with the younger guys. And then you guys like Mikey Watkins and Dev Jensen, who took huge jumps from, you know, one year to the next. Um, so combination of a lot of things, but I just think the way we're able to keep our guys together and, and kind of keep things rolling year in and year out. Uh, you mentioned the transfers. That's kind of a, not a new thing, but it's something that I think has definitely come up a lot more in the last couple of years. And you see it across all sports. I mean, the, the idea of the transfer portal once, I don't know, somebody told me that it actually been around a while. I know a lot of people just kind of heard of it over the last couple of years, but it does. It seems like every year there's just a massive amount of movement. And I know there's different talks of changing transfer rules and stuff like that. You hear stuff every once in a while about maybe getting rid of the, the one year and waiting that players have to sit on a first time transfer. There seems to always be, be movement within rules when, in regards to transfers, but that seems like has affected, you know, not, not just college basketball, but college sports immensely the, the amount of transfer movement you see year to year. Yeah, it really has. And it's, um, you know, if, if you're a program that has lost a lot of guys, it's tough to plan, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I have a whiteboard yeah. actually behind me with our whole roster and guys at positions and who's coming back. And, you know, if, if you're losing guys left and right, it's hard to plan. And, you know, what's going to end up happening then is guys are probably going to want to stay old. So they're going to end up, you know, replacing the older guys they lost with some older guys from other programs. So, you know, that's why I, I love the way we've done it. We've, you know, I'm never against taking a transfer. I think at some point, you know, if that's the right guy, we will do so. But, you know, we've been, we've been able to build our program with high school guys and, you know, it's people leave schools for a lot of different reasons, but you look at a kid like, um, 
know, a lot of times it's the instant gratification of yeah. that uh, you look at a guy like Dev Jensen, if he would have left after his sophomore year where he only played about six minutes a game on a division two team, he misses out on scoring 25 points and being the hero against Northwestern and then having this great year. So, you know, I think, um, just continuing to work with your guys, always communicating with them, you know, treating them right. Um, even if, you know, they're not playing a ton, you still don't treat them any different than the superstar. And I think we've been able to develop great relationships with our players. And, you know, I always tell them, you can't feel different about me just because you're playing a little bit less than you would have liked. You know, we, we all respect and, and really like each other as people. Um, and I think that's why we've been able to, you know, keep guys around. They have great experiences playing with us and, you know, they kind of wait their time. And when their times come, they, they step up and make it happen. I'm sure part of that too, it goes back to recruiting. And like you said earlier, recruiting the right guys and making sure that, okay, this is a guy that's buying into what, what we want to do. And isn't necessarily going to be looking to jump somewhere else at the first, you know, the, the first negative reaction he may get or something, you know, you're, you're recruiting guys that, that are buying into your program and want to be a part of your program and aren't really looking to go anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely right. And we do the same thing. We don't um, harp on guys we don't get. If we're recruiting a guy and he goes to another school, then, you know, so be it. We, we really only focus on the guys that are within our program. Uh, do you see that landscape, that whole transfer landscape changing at all, you know, moving forward? I know, like, like I said, they mentioned, you know, maybe the, the one-year thing going away. I just, I worry about just, it's not even specifically to basketball, just across all sports, uh, of it becoming a situation where, I mean, you could have bigger schools almost recruiting off smaller schools, right? I mean, you could. Yeah. And that's already started to happen. I I don't know. um, I think I'm a little different in my opinion on on this one, because um, there's a bunch of, like some bigger schools, they take a guy because it's attractive for them to to sit a guy a year and get him bigger and stronger and then have Mm -hmm. them play. So I think that it's all going to even out. You know, if a a guy's going to leave, he's going to leave. I don't know if, you know, not having to sit a year. Some players want to sit a year. I mean, there's nothing like yeah. going somewhere and having, you know, no stress at all. Good except point. for being able to practice and work out and wear the gear and walk around and be that next guy that everyone talks about that's going to be the this, this savior the following year. Um, so, you know, I think that there'll be a – it'll balance each other off. There'll be guys that leave because they can play right away, um, and there'll be guys that don't leave because they aren't able to sit. And I think it'll be a bit of a balance. What does kind of the the future look like for you guys? I guess you know not too far in the future, but over the next couple of months as you kind of get ready for September, and uh, is, is it just keeping in touch with guys and making sure they're doing the right thing? As far as recruiting, I mean, do you even do you even know when you're going to be able to recruit again? It seems like that dead period keeps on getting pushed further and further back. Yeah, it keeps getting pushed. You know what? We're pretty fortunate that with the way our classes shake up in a time like this, uh, we really only we have two seniors and one junior. So it would be a little bit scarier if, if we were in a year where we had to bring in six or seven yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, so we can really take our time. Um, you know, we have a couple guys that we've seen before this all went down that we're really focused on trying to get. We've done a few, you know, Zoom meetings that almost took place of what a campus meeting would look like um, with some, some players and some families. Um, but yeah, just staying in touch with our guys, uh, keeping them informed as possible. You know, we don't need guys getting anxious of um, because they have no idea what's coming next. Um, we tell them nobody knows what's, what's coming next. We just yeah. have to, you know, there's different guidelines, different States have different things happening. You know, I think uh, in the next 48 hours, President Hopi's has a town hall and he's going to, yeah. you know, announce, you know, maybe a new academic calendar that we're all going to follow. So it's just, 
at this point, it's been going on for so long. I think the, the nerves and the anxiousness of it all has kind of surpassed everybody. Now it's just kind of playing the waiting game. Yeah. Uh, do you think it will create kind of a mad rush? I mean, once, once recruiting, I, I can just see once recruiting opens, you're going to see kids left and right. I'm going here. I'm going, <laughs> once offers can be made again and stuff like that, I, I would imagine you're just going to see this, this mad rush of players going, especially maybe some, some teams that were looking to add pieces for this upcoming year that, that haven't been able to do it yet. Yeah, I think so. To be honest with you, it's, it's kind of being a mad, if there's a mad rush right now, and it, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You see a lot of offers going out of, uh, to kids who guys probably haven't even seen play yet, um, yeah, yeah. which is not how we operate at all. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, you feel a little bit bad for this, uh, 2021 class of, of high school seniors because they did, you know, they did not get to get out and play in front of us as much as they probably would have liked to. Um, but there'll be a lot more as this goes on. It's going to be film work and, you know, trusting your networks and, you know, people that you've, you know, recruited their players in the past. And uh, it's just going to be a little bit different for, for the next probably six to eight months before we get back to normal. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm just – Again, we're fortunate that we really only have two spots to fill and we have a great young, you know, nucleus of guys. So, you know, our focus right now are, are really on the guys in our program. Yeah, and that's got to be a big help too. I know you mentioned it, but having having that young nucleus that comes back and, and they're all going to be stepping into bigger roles, obviously, uh, yeah. but they're there. You know, you, you, you yeah. got to, you, you, they're there already. You know, you're not worrying about bringing guys in. You're just worrying about making sure they're, doing what they need to do. And like you said, if you recruit the right guys, you know that they're doing what they need to do to stay ready for that opportunity once it comes up in the fall. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, you know, I'm excited for these young guys. It's, um, you know, those three seniors played a lot of minutes and played some, some big roles. So, you know, it's, it's not gravy anymore where you can just, you know, if you come off the bench and play a few hard minutes, it's, it's almost just gravy on top. Now it's all right. Everyone probably slides up a stop uh, a slot and, you know, relied on for, more minutes and bigger roles and um, you know those guys will be ready for it they, they proved that you know they're more than capable with a lot of the games they played this year but it's uh, you know it's always exciting for me to see those younger guys grow into these bigger roles. Yeah and, and you could tell I mean the points last year there were times especially in the middle of the year and down the stretch where you had younger guys on the floor that were that, that looked way more confident than they did back at the beginning of the season like guy, the way those younger guys I think the whole class the freshman class looked yeah. in in January and February you could tell they were almost different players than what they were in November it just seemed like they even though it may not have been a major role because of the seniors that were ahead of them they grew into their role and they were a lot they seemed like they were a lot more confident players when you played those most important games in January and February yeah and that comes with um you know that comes with game minutes you know you can only do so much in practice but the more you know all of a sudden you taste a little bit of success in a game and it's like oh wow I really can do this and this stuff that I've been working on actually does work so you know you're right and you know, we had a um, probably the last two months of the season we didn't split our teams up a whole lot so it was usually you know our, our starting five against you know the six through ten or however you want to label it um, so those young guys they battled together all the time. And there was days where they did, you know, win some of the drills and beat those older guys. And we had, you know, one of our best practices of the year was probably two days before that central Connecticut game where guys are getting after each other and, you know, talking a little smack to each other and it's getting heated in there and just a super competitive practice where, you know, at the end, everyone's, you know, shaking hands and, and laughing about it an hour later in the locker room. But, 
you know, those older guys and those younger guys, they butted heads a lot in practice in, in a great competitive way. And, you know, I think that really, um, that's the one thing that, that those seniors, um, they just brought a competitive edge with them. And that kind of came from, you know, their high school program coming from St. Anthony and um, they just figured out how to win. And, you know, Julio Lord, if that guy lost a drill in practice, you know, you thought he was going to blow the roof off the building, um, he, how competitive he was. And, you know, our, our, that rubbed off on our younger guys. And I, I'm hoping the edge, you know, that that piece is nothing to do with basketball skill yeah. or execution. Um, it's just kind of an, an edge that's tough to, to explain that those three guys had that when it came down to kind of nitty gritty time or four minutes left in the game and coming out of a timeout, um, you know, they never blanked. And I think that as time went on, that really rubbed off on our younger guys. That, that's something that I feel like you just can't, it's hard to coach that too. That, that's, an, that's something that a player either has or yeah. doesn't have, especially when, once you kind of grow and mature and, and you're 18 to 20 years old. I mean, you're, that's an element that a player either has or he doesn't. And sometimes, sometimes it's a separator, I would imagine. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you look at a guy, you know, all those guys, but, you know, Dries Joyner, um, super quiet, doesn't say two words, doesn't show a whole lot of emotion. I mean, the guy took over 40 charges. He, you know, always happened to come up with that loose ball or finish a play. And, you know, out of nowhere, he's making a big three when we need him to. And uh, he just had a, a calming uh, way about him, um, almost like a, the grandfather of the team that, you know, you know, Javaris was Javaris and Jaleel brought that chippiness to us. And, and Dries was kind of a, that, that common force um, on both offense and defense. So, you know, more so than the basketball, uh, there's some of that mentality that's need to be replaced, um, you know, with those older guys, but, you know, I'm more than confident with the guys we have now on our roster and in our locker room that, you know, they'll be able to continue to carry that torch. Awesome. Well, hey, I, we appreciate the time today, and we'll we'll catch up again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, right before the season starts in the fall. Hopefully, we, we got basketball going on. Let's do it. Thanks, Mike. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike McMahon CHN, and you can follow the site at the Mac Reports. If you're a Facebook user. You can also find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye.